0: more than 200 employees at Homeland Security's Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction office might be reassigned. That's because time is running short for Congress to reauthorize the office. Its authority terminates December 21st. For an update on the situation, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday spoke with the Assistant Secretary for the CWMD office, Mary Ellen Callahan.
1: Obviously, it's a complicated congressional environment right now. We have bipartisan and bicameral support it's just hard to figure out how to fold in this reauthorization into that compressed legislative schedule. The reauthorization language is unusual. CWMD's office will terminate unless the language is reauthorized. And so we're explaining the value proposition that is the CWMD office, how integrated we are with our DHS components, uh, how we support. Our components providing them equipment, training, technical assistance, and expertise, and how we also are working with our state and local stakeholders that comprise almost 40% of the U.S. population are supported by us. And then the interagency piece, including supporting um, being the primary point of contact for significant initiatives by the Biden administration, including NSPM 36, which was in the event of a terrorist incident, and NSPM 19, which is relating to countering weapons of mass destruction. It's a really important issue. I think there is strong support that it remains an important issue. Our conundrum is how to get it onto a legislative schedule, given today's timing and where we are in the Hill right now.
0: Is the hope the most realistic path? It being attached to something like the NDAA, or is it, is it too early to say at this point?
1: I am not a legislative expert, so I am leaving that to my colleagues. I'm just talking about the value proposition with meetings with our congressional stakeholders, as well as our state and local um, stakeholders as well.
0: And you said the office terminates, I think, without reauthorization. I mm-hmm. mean, what, what does that mean? What does that actually look like? Essentially, everyone will have to pack up and go home on December 21st?
1: As I mentioned, the language that was crafted to create CWMD almost five years ago had this unusual language which said, the office will terminate. The expectation, I think, was that this would be reauthorized in the ordinary course of business. And I think if we had an ordinary course of business, that would have happened. But what we are doing is we're doing contingency planning in the unfortunate event that we are not reauthorized. What we've done is 90 days out, we informed our state and local stakeholders, that includes our Securing the Cities uh, partners, as well as our BioWatch jurisdictions, and said, hey, this is a possibility. If it is a possibility, that funding's going to be cut off as of the date of December 21, five years since its passage. We also wrote to our contracts to our teams with whom we have contract relationships, including the national labs, saying the same thing. We also, Justin, are working on looking at contingency reassignments for my 234 staff. That's actually my priority, is making sure that they have a job if we aren't reauthorized and that they can continue to be a federal employee on December 22nd. That involves working closely throughout the department with the Secretary, Deputy Secretary, and uh, Directorate of Management supporting us in placing us in open positions to which somebody would be qualified. The qualifications have to be minimal qualifications. This is to make sure they have a job as of December if indeed we are not reauthorized. Been working really closely with Chief Human Capital Officer, and the Undersecretary for Management to effectuate this. This management directed reassignment would be the largest management directed reassignment the department had ever done. So there's lots of moving pieces, there's lots of processes, but it's important that we get this right for our employees. And we just talked to them about this last week. They are going to get some Uh, individualized options based on series and grade for which that they can rank their requests. These would be open positions in the department that have been held open in order to prioritize CWMD employees. As of November 17th, they should make their selections and may learn their tentative contingent reassignment And then as of December 17th, which is the beginning of the pay period before our termination date, those individuals would then depart the office of CWMD and go to another place within the department.
0: Wow. So, yeah, that sounds like a lot of of work here. I mean, are most of those 234 employees within the National Capital region? And, you know, are, are you confident you can find a reassignment for every single one of them, Um, you know, how how is how do you see this playing out in practice?
1: It has been complicated, but we're really devoted to it. And as I said, we've gotten leadership from the secretary, assistant secretary, everybody has uh, instructed people to lean in. Um, The majority of our workforce is in the national capital region. We do have several significant um, leaders who are outside the national capital region. We are looking at their jurisdiction as one of the factors. So I mentioned series and grade. We are also looking at region. Uh, we have some folks who are uh, designated as remote, but they are in the NCR. We cannot guarantee that they would get a remote placement, but we are doing everything in our power to get them placed in a job description, series and grade, as well as region that they, they can qualify for. We have some folks outside the ncr as i mentioned and we're looking to place them as well regionally and of course we have some very unique skill sets i have multiple nuclear physicists on my staff i have chemical engineers i have um you know veterinarians who are looking at biosurveillance for human plant and animal health so these are unusual positions that we're really leaning forward to make sure we can find a place where they can be productive federal employees if indeed CWMD goes away it's been a lot of labor but it's our top priorities
0: got it i mean and is there any sort of plan for if there is a last minute reauthorization for, to pull those folks back to CWMD or if there's you know a reauthorization after the termination date? I don't know how far this contingency planning has gone uh, at this point, but it <laughs> sounds pretty comprehensive well, uh, given it, the situation.
1: It, 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 it has been a lot of time. As we understand it from a legal perspective, if we have a management-directed reassignment of staff and they depart the office of CWMD on December 17th, we cannot then pull them back. It's also not fair, candidly, to my fellow components who have held open offers and um, and jobs to help place my team. What we would have to do, as I understand it, is if we are not reauthorized until after December 17th or even the 21st, we would have to re-stand up the office and re-compete the positions. There might be a little bit of flexibility in there, but my understanding is there's not much. And so if we aren't reauthorized by the time folks leave the office, the labor to stand us up would be exponentially more than the contingent planning that we've been going through right now.
0: And if there is a job that is open that needs filling somewhere else before December 17th or even even earlier, are you going to let folks go just to keep them within DHS versus, you know, losing them outright potentially? How are you handling that aspect?
1: That's a great question. We've been having very candid conversations in the weekly town halls I've been holding about reauthorization. The contingent reassignment is to give a lifeboat to folks, to make sure that they continue as feds, they don't have a break in service, and that they can find a job that is at least within their series and grade. We are starting to see some slight attrition of folks who have gone onto the market and have looked for their own jobs in order to leave. We've had a couple of people who have left, and I know other people are looking at it or considering retirement or other exit options. I have encouraged them to stay around because I feel very passionate about this mission, and I feel that it's an incredibly important time for this office to continue. With that said, I understand that people have to make choices on their own. I think the closer we get to December, particularly uh, the latter part of the month, the more we're gonna see people exiting the office at their own will. These contingent reassignments are about, as I said, lifeboats. We are also seeing, Justin, attrition among our contractors as well. We've lost um, several contractors already who have moved on to other contracts that have more certainty and more clarity. Again, these contractors are also experts in their own field, and they are very valuable, and the market is very hot for them as well. And I think as we get closer to December, we will see more contract attrition as well.
0: Mary Ellen Callahan, Assistant Secretary for DHS's Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction Office, speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Check out Justin's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before.
3: is important so that all voices and ideas are heard. So I like to call it our North Star. Having a people first culture really starts with the people in order to get our incredibly difficult mission accomplished. In terms of leadership, which is a great question, I think we all know that culture is really driven by leadership and the, the behaviors that we allow and we uh, you know, uh, reinforce in our leaders. So we really work at making sure that our leaders are bringing out the best in their people every day. So again, that they feel they can bring their voice, especially an opinion that might not go along with the majority of a group, so that we get that diverse perspective, we get those different ideas and experiences. And that's really where we find that it's important that leaders are purposefully bringing out their talent on their teams to enable our mission.
2: Excellent. We're, we're going through a, a culture project that our work. Oh, great. It's, um, it's been six months in the making, and it's going really well, but it is work. Yes. And it requires from the top down, so I'm, I'm also involved in that. I hear you. Great. Throughout your career, you piloted many different talent management programs, including at NASA, the CIA, the FBI, just to name a few, and you have an amazing career. What have you learned or how have you might have changed along the way in creating and leading those programs?
3: Yes, and I, I, I am so honored to have had a career in public service across multiple federal agencies, always in the realm of human resources and workforce performance. And I think because I study organizations and people in them, I've come to realize, particularly in the federal government, that many of our programs are really grounded in the industrial era thinking, that this is organizationally structured in a hierarchy with boxes and lines on charts, uh, with the center being around jobs and what do we need to get this job done in terms of skills and training. And what I found is that we're really not in the industrial era anymore where we would promote the smartest people who knew that work and they would then tell the people on their team how to do things and oversee that work We're now in a digital era and the information era where work gets done collaboratively across geographic boundaries and certainly across org charts. So uh, we like to call it networks um, or hierarchies. And we really need to, again, unleash people so they can find those other people who are working on similar problems or have the right ideas. And so I really like to think of our work now in the talent programs being human-centered it's more about the user and the experience than about the rules and regulations. So although we have to have rules and regulations, certainly in human resources, is that person experiencing what they need and getting what they need for their role at that time? So not so much on the job, but on the person. So for example, we're recruiting. What's the applicant experiencing? Because if they're not having a good experience with our organization from the time we're recruiting them, they're going to go work for somebody else. Same thing with like first-time supervisors. We know they need certain training, but telling them to sit in a class for one week and then hope a year from now they'll remember what they learned to apply, that's not really human-centered. The human-centered is, what do they need when they need it? and building modules or, or just-in-time training and bringing that to the people, to that user, as they need it. So that's really, I think, the most important focus of talent programs today in this era to enable the workers to be the best they can be in their, in their roles.
2: Excellent. New thinking. Um, this is always an interesting question. H- has there been a time when, as a leader, that you've made a mistake?